City Hope? You doing good? You're quiet today. Everybody doing good? Okay, well, it's great to see you. I want to welcome the Mobile Campus Foley Campus, Baymanet Campus, and also the guys at the Holman Prison. Thank you guys for being with us this weekend. Uh, I, want to, uh, I want to share a couple things with you before we get started. Uh, we have a guest. It's, it's a new friend of ours that we met uh, a few months ago in India, and uh, they're pastors in St. Petersburg, Russia. So I'm going to ask Dimitri and Anya, would you stand as our guest today? Thank you so much. Hey. Not only are they pastors, but he's also an overseer of over 450 churches in Russia, and uh, we've just become friends, and getting, we wanted them to come and visit us here at City Hope, so we welcome you here and look forward to our friendship. Bless you. <laughs> Next weekend, uh, my wife and I will be at our China campus, so if you'll be praying for us for our travels, uh, we'll be there with them. And so uh, Trey will actually be finishing the series. And, and let me just say, the, the last message in this series, uh, to me, is the best message. And I know he'll do a great job, so you don't want to miss next weekend as we end the key to everything. And also, let me also say about the Israel trip, if you have not been, I lead that trip, and we've been doing it for quite a while, and I would love for you to be part of that. So if you would like to sign up, you need to do so real quick. And uh, you, everybody needs to go, but sometimes it's the season in life where you can, and there's seasons you can't. So hope you get to go with us. Well, we are talking about the key to everything. Someone said, is there a key? And it's giving. Now, the, the, the action key in the Bible is what we're looking at. The subject key in the Bible is Jesus, because Jesus is the key to everything. But the action key is giving, because God gave his son. And the way we come into that relationship is we give our lives to God, and then everything in our lives flows from this attitude of giving. So giving affects two major areas of our lives, relationships and resources. So the first two messages, we've talked about relationships. Uh, we're going to talk about resources. And I use the analogy, you probably have had a key made, like at Lowe's, and you get home, it doesn't work. It's because one of the teeth wasn't ground down properly. In this series, we're looking at four teeth, if you will, on the giving key. However, you can have three of them ground down properly and one not, and the key is not going to work as it was intended. Our first message was give out. Those are actions, serving, serving people, and then giving words. And, and we did a salt covenant at the end of that service. Uh, the second message last weekend was give in, releasing forgiveness. And we talked about racism and hate and things like that and releasing some tension and, and frustration in our lives by, by forgiveness. This message is called give to. So I'm actually going to, I haven't spent any time on the key verse in this series. The key verse is Luke 6, 38. So I'm going to spend time on that because I want you to understand why Jesus is giving us this verse. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So here's what this is. This is God's offer to us of a new place to live, a new level of life. But there's no avoiding the price. The price is give. And, and, and I know last weekend when we started talking about racism 
and hate that, you know, it got real quiet in the room. It, get, it will get quieter in the room when I talk about give. So I, I'm, I'm ready for that. I understand because when you start talking about giving, everybody gets real quiet. But I want you to see that there, there's no avoiding the price to give. And notice in that scripture text, the imperative, the mode of the verb in the Greek makes it clear that we are not only called to do so, but we are to continuously do so, to keep on giving. And after having spoken this, Jesus follows with something so characteristic of God's giving heart. He said, give, and then he adds, and it will be given to you. And and notice, Jesus didn't stoop to some level of a shady wheeler dealer, some manipulation. This promise is not the device of a devious deity. It's his divine design. And that is the heart of God, is to give. So to teach this today, it isn't to pander the flesh, but to confront it. So Jesus is showing us something of the way that the universe is constructed. And as he says this, because we know of the law of sowing and reaping and give and it will be given to you. It's what he said. And then the law of self-determination with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. So these two laws converge to bring divine power and promise into the immediate contact with humans who make a choice and they're responsible. So in other words, Jesus is revealing all power that is available for all possibilities. So through his power and our partnership, he's waiting. He's waiting on us to take the heart of God and become givers. God promises that when we open the faucet of possibility through our own giving, his heavenly reservoir is waiting to flow toward us with a whole lot more than we can even think or imagine or even can contain. But we, we decide how open the faucet will be. We determine how much of the divine flow moves in our direction. And God doesn't say he'll love us more if we open the faucet more, but he does say you'll love him more if you open the faucet more. So we become greater people transformed by the terms of his giving. In other words, and this greatness is not measured by the sum of the giving, but by the spirit of our giving. So we become greater people. We become big, transformed in the terms of giving promise and allowing him to flow through us. So this give, here's, here's why it's so, it's so difficult for us to grasp. This give is to change us. How does it change us? We grow up past theorizing. In other words, so many people have the mindset because you've seen it neglected, you've seen it abused, or you just don't want anybody talking about money. And I understand the privacy of that, but we have all these theories in our mind. We have all these attitudes in our mind. And let's just be honest because money relates to every part of our lives. How we handle it will be a direct reflection of our deepest attitudes, and how we relate to it will determine the quality of our dearest relationships. Money is not life, and neither is money what life is all about. But there is a proximity of relationship that is so close that we need to look at it. So, for example, every time you and I deal with money, we are handling life in one aspect. Because each dollar we have, each piece of currency that goes through your hands, in some way is directly related to a given amount of someone's life. So how, how does that happen? Well, in the present order of things, money is what's given in exchange for a person's time. Life and money are completely integrated. So we take an amount of money paid for an amount of time, and literally, 
this is life in its most practical form. And, and you can relate to that because you work and you work hard and you're paid for your time and your effort. And so that's life in its practical form. Again, this isn't to cheapen life's meaning, but we cannot divorce the relationship of money from life. We, we can't separate the spiritual significance from it either because it does have spiritual significance. When we deal with the issue of giving, we face whether or not we have submitted the issues of life to the Lord of life. That's what we're confronting. And sometimes that, that, that's hard for us to look at. And, and, and money is very real. It's tangible. It's measurable. And Jesus makes it related to all of life's details. And in the face of this tangible aspect of life, Jesus has called us with a resounding give. Verse 38, he starts off, give. Give in the physical realm of your material resources. Give and open the pipeline of spiritual possibility from the Father's reservoir. Give and all things will begin to flow toward you that they might abound in you and through your life, even the, the material, the physical, and the spiritual. So how do we see God's blessings released in our life and everything? That's the question. How do we utilize the key to everything? How do we actually take it and operate with it? Well, there are three things I want to talk about. Here's the first one. One is an open heart. An open heart. First John three seventeen. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Whoever sees his brother in need shuts up his heart. So you have the ability to shut or open your heart. God, how, how can that happen? Well, God gave us a will. And with that will, we have the ability to have an open heart or we can shut the heart. It doesn't mean we're supposed to meet every need that we see. That's not what it means. But it does mean we don't close our hearts to needs. And, and, you know, we, what, what about towards someone? Have you ever shut your heart towards someone? They hurt you. They, they did you wrong. They mistreated you. Or have you, ever, have you ever closed your heart toward God? Because you prayed for something to happen. It didn't happen. You prayed for someone to be healed, and they, they weren't healed. And, and you, your, your job or promotion. And so you kind of closed your heart a little bit toward God. Well, I want you to listen because I want you to be careful not to harden your heart because there are people who are, have a hardened heart toward giving. But here's what happens with a hardened heart. Proverbs 28, 14, happy is the man who is always reverent. Reverent means submitted. Happy is the man who's always submitted, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And let me tell you what a closed heart is. It's stubbornness. Anybody here ever been Stubborn. Only 22% of you. Man, that's amazing. Let's do that one more time. <clears throat> stubborn people. Uh, anybody here ever been stubborn? Okay. See, you're waiting on this one. Any, do you know anyone who's been stubborn? Now watch. Look, look at the hands going up. Look at the elbows. Yeah, sure you do. No, 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 no. We, we've all been stubborn. Stubbornness is a real problem, especially in the South. You know, it's like... We're hard-headed because here's what stubbornness means. I, I want my own way. And that's similar to the definition of sin. All we like sheep have gone astray our own way. We keep going our own way no matter what happens. Some of us are just stubborn. And what's amazing is you keep doing the same thing over and over. And it's amazing how many times we do the wrong thing the wrong way and we keep doing it because we're just too stubborn to stop and do it right. I didn't even get an amen. <laughs> Mobile, Foley, anybody. <laughs> I'll take one. Wow. 1 Samuel 15, 23. L listen to this on stubbornness. 
For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. How is stubbornness like idolatry? Well, understand, idolatry means you have an idol you're putting in a higher place than God. That's as simple as you can put it. So how is stubbornness idolatry? It's very simple. You're the idol. You're the idol. You're putting what you want, what you desire above what God wants you to do or say. That's stubbornness. I mean, you, you should be able to relate to it because your children probably got it from you. Anybody have a, a, a child that's stubborn? Or let me be real nice and say it this way. Do you have a strong-willed child? Well, they probably got it from mom or dad, okay? Giving is a heart issue. And the key to everything is giving. Then the heart has to be looked at. And here's the problem with the heart. I, this is real deep, so hold on. The heart is attached to a head. The problem is if the head isn't thinking like God teaches us to think. So, do you know and understand the difference in heart giving and head giving? And as your pastor, I have to help your hearts by ministering to your heads. And I'm telling you, an open heart will come when you start giving. And maybe, just maybe it's possible the pressure you're feeling right now is not an attack of the enemy, but it's a strategy of God to get you to stop doing it the wrong way and start giving and do it the right way. Number two, an open hand. Deuteronomy 15, 7. If, there's, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren with any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. You shall not shut your heart, then you can open your hand. If you, shut, if you close your heart, you're not going to be able to open your hand. But this is an act of your will. Here's what your will is. Your will is your desire. Are you going to shut your own heart? I mean, it, it, you own it. There's no manipulation. There's no guilt. There's no trickery. Jesus isn't doing it. We don't do it here. It, it's your own will that decides. Are you going to shut your hand when you see a need? If your heart is shut, then your hand will be closed. It's like the game we used to play with the kids, or maybe you didn't. We'd come in, I've got something in my hand. I did it when they were little. When they were bigger, they could take it away from me. But I closed my hand and, and say, if you can open my hand, you can have it. And, you know, they wrestle and pull. Then finally, what do you do? You open your hand, you give it to them. Well, a closed hand, a lot of people live like this. And a lot of times it's because of what's been passed through a family or what's been taught by a dad or a mom or, or, or there's some way, someone in the family that's, this is the way we're going to do it. We're not going to talk about anything else. We're, we're not going to touch this subject. We're not going to talk about it. Well, that, that's stubbornness. And with stubbornness comes selfishness. And the bottom line of stubbornness and selfishness is fear and pride. Because you fear what will happen if you're not in control. The people who don't tithe don't trust God. Because to tithe, you're giving him the first and you're, you're, you're letting go. You're not controlling. And some can't give because they want to control. And his way is the best way. So you've got to let it go. It's the only way it's going to work. You've got to open your hand to give. Well, why do I want to have an open heart and an open hand? Because I want to give to. Why do I want to give to so I have an open heaven, which is the third point, an open heaven. Malachi 3 and 8, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. 
You are cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. He didn't say, I'm cursing you. He said, you're putting yourself under a curse. So bring the whole tithe. Tithe means tent. So bring the tent into the church, the storehouse, and see if I won't open heaven for you. And you're thinking, or maybe in your mind, you're saying, okay, I got that part, I understand it, but how do I do that? And for many, to, to, to make that change and that shift, it's, it's, it's drastic because you have to start making adjustments in your budget. You have to learn how to live below your means. You've got you, to work your way to get there. You've got to make some adjustments. But whatever you have to do, because the heavens will not open until you bring the whole tithe what the scripture says bring it to the storehouse that is the church where you are fed and where you worship God with other believers that's where you bring it not to another ministry or not to another missionary those are offerings that's something different now in Malachi 1 13 listen to this because what he's going to say it hasn't changed even today because when I started talking about giving I think this this began to in the background of some minds this Malachi 1 13 you also say oh what a weariness Preacher's talking about money. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring me an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord. We have the ability to shut the door. And this happens when we start talking about giving. I don't want to hear about this. Uh, you know, that, that, I don't want to talk about this. All oh, the weariness and all the money and all, all this. So you sneer at it inside. And, and that defense mechanism goes up, and that control mechanism and that stubbornness. So you, you understand that Jesus, he is addressing here, uh, the, the word here is addressing the attitude of the heart. In the verses before, he said, you bring the, the blemished and the blind and the lame. You, 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 I told you to bring the firstborn, the unblemished. I told you to bring me the first, not the leftovers. I told you to put me first. In other words, I told you to give me my best because I gave you my best. Give your best, and yet you bring me the lame and the leftover. Why in the world would we not give our best to God? Why wouldn't we? So I, I want, I, I'm going to take this down a little different trail because I want to wrap this up by mentioning the last part of this verse because the first part that's important is the word give. The other part that I want to look at is it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom or your lap or your hands. So Jesus, in that phrase, he uses an agricultural symbol that people in that culture instantly understood what he's talking about. The word pressed down was used in that day to describe the pressing of olives to extract oil. In other words, he says give and it'll be pressed down. In other words, God is going to press out all the abundance he can for you from what you give. He's going to press out all the abundance. This figure of speech that Jesus uses not only promises resources of supply, but the oil also being pressed out may represent God's anointing, his glory over our lives. So in other words, let me say it this way, if my giving is in God's spirit, if, my, if I have a giving heart like God's heart and I'm giving with the right attitude and the right heart, my, my heart is open, my hands are open, I'm giving in his spirit of release may well be a key to a new release of his spirit through me. Now he, he may release something new to me because now he, he's enlarged my capacity. And Jesus uses the picture of, of grain being shaken down. 
like taking a bowl of cereal and shaking a little bit and you can put some more in it. I, I have the picture of when I was a little kid, my, my grandma, we called her Grandma Susie, she took, we'd go uh, picking uh, peas out, out at her family's farm and, and, and you know, I'd, I'd pick half a, a bushel I thought was full and take it to her and she'd shake it down, it wasn't even half full. You know, so that, that, that's, that's the concept. Here's what, here's what God is saying to us so that we understand this. He said, after you, you give and it reaches the limit it looks like to you, this is a limit. This is full as it can be. He said, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to let it run over like grain at the time of a bumper crop. I, I'm just going to let it overflow. The metaphor Jesus uses allows for expanding our expectations so that we're not trapped in a box. It goes, it, because now our expectations are beyond resources and, and, and because he has all of those, and he, he's able to give us the material blessings that we need. And, and here's what happens. He incorporates in us then the ideal of harvest, the harvest of souls. This is not just about us. It's not just about my family. It's about the harvest of souls, lives being changed. And today there are more people who don't know Christ than who do know Christ, and God doesn't want anyone to perish. And, 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 and we know we're living in the end of the end times. But what's Jesus wanting to do? He wants to see souls. He wants to see lives change. Our, our Lord intends for us to see this dual dimension of the material and the spiritual blessing. He's presenting us with an additional illustration of truth. That giving is the key to everything. And, and listen, please. I don't think for a minute that tithing buys God's blessings. But I do believe that it opens the windows of heaven for God to release and bless us continually. So what I want us to do is open up and let him flow through us and, and, and as we learn to give. And listen, to learn to give, there is a starting place. And that's what I want to show you to end this message. It's very simple, but there is a starting place. Uh, the, the first story I want to share with you is, and, and I've shared this before, I was five or six years old, and my dad sat down with me at the table, and he said, I, I'm going to start giving you an allowance, you know, five or six years old. And he said, uh, I'm going to give you a dime a week. <laughs> Remember, this was back in the dark ages when I was a kid. <laughs> so he puts a nickel and five pennies on the table. So a five-year-old, that's okay. I'll take that. That's good. Today is like... Where are, the, where are the papers? You know, I want the paper. I don't want the coins. So anyway, and so what dad does is he says, okay, he picks up a penny. He says, for every dime, one penny is God's. Now, if you keep this penny in your pocket, you're stealing from God. And, and you know, he, he wants to protect you and bless you, but you're stealing from him. So what I want you to do is every week when you go to church, you're going to take your penny and you're going to give it in, in the offering. That was real simple. It's just one penny off of every dime. So that went along pretty well. When I was eight years old, I started a, a business. And uh, I, I did. I was cutting grass as an eight-year-old. I tithed on what I made cutting grass. Later in high school, college, I worked part-time jobs, and I tithed. And then, you know, I get, get out and get a job and start making real money. So I remember writing that first check. I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of money. And the Holy Spirit said, it's still just a penny on every dime. See, I believe tithing is the starting place for our learning to give. I love it that we want to serve people. I love it that we want to forgive people. 
But if you want this giving attitude to be continuous, I believe that it starts with learning how to give and tithe. Because it relates directly then to our knowing and honoring the difference between what's God and what's ours. Because the Bible says in Leviticus 27 30 that all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. So to see the divine claim on the 10% of our income and to surrender it in worship is to find life's financial starting place. It's that new level. It's that place he wants us to be. God is a giving God. He's not a taker. He wants us to become like his image as giving people. Because listen, if we have his heart on this and we have an open hand, he opens the heavens. Why? Because now he can trust us with what he's giving us so that we see the harvest of souls. We see lives being changed. Not just met in their physical, but met in their spiritual. I, I love it. A, a, few, a month or so ago, I was in India and talking there with, with uh, Reverend Stevens, and, and he'll be with us in October. But, but he said, you know, in every outreach we do, everything we do, we're tagging the gospel. We're tagging the gospel because the physical is what gets their attention. Well, I love that, and that's great, but, but, but I want you to understand the, the real vision that drives the giving in me is, is for the harvest, it's for souls to see lives change. So I want to conclude with this because I, I want you to see that our country, America, has, has, there's never been a country like it in its giving aspect of the gospel going out and missionaries going out. So l- let me just tell you a story, and then I'll, I'll tie it back into today. It wasn't long after the signing of the Constitution of the United States that a, a baby boy was born in Massachusetts, and his name was John Chapman. As he grows up and he becomes a young adult, he worked in a, a Pennsylvania uh, cider mill. And at that time, in the early 1800s, Pennsylvania was, was really the, the border or, the, or, or the, 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 the border of the western frontier. The west had not been developed and hadn't been discovered yet. And some had tried to move westward beyond that boundary, but the, it was just too rugged. It was too hard, so, so they didn't do that. Chapman became possessed with this vision that he had and it gripped his heart and his vision became more influential for the future of our nation that he could ever dream he he may not even know by the time he died he may not know the, the repercussion of what he did later on but in this meal that he worked the byproduct of the meal uh, the, the cider meal was seeds piles and piles of seeds apple seeds and they seemed useless to most, but to this man was part of the vision. So one day, after extensive planning, Chapman fills the bags with seeds. He quit his job, and he headed west. As he travels, he planted apple trees all along the path, the trail. As he become gripped by this vision, uh, uh, because he wants people, the younger people in the nation, to go westward for expansion. But, but Chapman, he, he sees this view of the challenge of the West because if the multitudes do come to the West, it would be very hard for them to sustain themselves while traveling in this rough country. And even if they arrive in a place to settle, there, there's nothing there to, to feed them. And so all along the trails, this visionary planted seeds in random places. He even planted orchards. He, he did it in the expectation that the pioneers would follow him, that fruit would be available for them to eat. And by the way... Chapman was a man of faith. He was committed to the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ in his life. So he not only planted the physical seeds, but he planted spiritual seeds in the lives of people that he came in contact with the rest of his life. He was a man of vision for the future, of seeing tomorrow's possibilities and sowing into the future. 
It was an act of faith. And some who debunk history said the man was insane. But let me tell you, the world will probably always think those who give their life to a vision connected to God who's, who plants for the future that you're not worthy of society's approval. Others say that the man was a pivotal personality in the early U.S. history that paved the way to become a great nation. Oh, and today, there's a small monument that was raised to Chapman in the heartland of America, placed in a small park in the state of Indiana. You can, be, you can visit the burial site of John Chapman, but you'll have to look for it under his affectionate name that the people gave him. They called him Johnny Appleseed. God never tells us we can't have dreams and desires and visions. I want you to look beyond the fear the control, the giving issues. I want you to look beyond to what God has because there's a, front, there's a spiritual frontier ahead of us and your giving, taking God's heart, is preparing the seeds ahead of time for those who are coming behind us. God isn't finished with us. He's not finished with America. It, 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 I know things look bad. I know it looks rough, but we have, you have children. You have grandchildren, and we need to be sowing the seed. We need to believe in the future so that we sow this seed of faith so that when they're adults and when they're grown, that there will be something for them to take and something to, for them to partake of, something spiritual for them to eat. And you have to understand the concern of the millennials is that maybe they came up in a house where giving wasn't part of the house. It was just, it wasn't even, it wasn't even taught, wasn't even recognized. And so we have a generation that doesn't understand the concept and the precept of sowing and reaping understanding that God's heart is to give and but we as the church I, I I have never used manipulation I've never used anything but to be open and transparent with you but I want you to understand that in America today that 66 percent of all the giving to 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 nonprofit organizations churches included in our nation 66 percent of all giving does not go into the church it goes into different organizations, and maybe they're noble, and maybe they're good, but here's the difference. Those other organizations have no eternal impact, and we're talking about eternal impact. So about a third of the giving of our country goes into something that has eternal impact, and I can even prove that here because of, you, know, you say, well, why are you teaching this to this church? I thought this church was a giving church. Oh, it is a giving church, and we're well above the average of 6 or 7% of tithers. We're, we're at 30%, so about a third of the people sitting here listening to me at the campuses are constant tithers. What am I saying? I am saying that we have what is ahead of us is more important than what's behind us, and what ahead of us there's spiritual impact that your children need to know the faith that God has so that they can have instilled in them this giving heart so that they're not stingy they're not closed fist they're not a hard heart why so that God can use them to see the return of his son ushered into this earth Why do you give? And I, and I say this, and I don't even know how I said it last service, but I say it cautiously. I believe this. I believe that we are where we are as a church after 18 years because of two things. After running from God's calling at 45, 
uh, submitted and planted a church, this church. And the only reason it has been, it, it, God has blessed it is because one, I had a, all I had was a heart. That's all I had, I had a heart. And I was teachable. That was it, so all I had to give is heart. And secondly, I believe that, the, that our church is healthy as it is in giving is because God taught me to give when I was five or six years old. And I come in to doing this and we give. Let, let, let me tell you what we do. We practice what we preach because we believe that not only when you give the 10, and, and, and th- this is just my personal conviction, everything given here at least, at least, and it's always more, but at least 10%, we, we give back out. We are a giving church. My question is, are you, are you the kind of person that God wants you to be? Do you have his giving heart? And to get his giving heart, you have to start somewhere. Just to stay on the outside and, and debate this and theorize this, you're going to wear yourself out and you're going to miss out on the opportunity. But you see, you, you want to be one with vision. God's vision is to give. He started it giving his son. We, start, we continue it by giving our lives to him. He, he, he wants to see us to be a, a, a people who sees tomorrow. He wants us to be people who give in faith. He wants us to be people who serve and bless other people. Because the truth is, in giving, in faith, it reaps the harvest in two places. It reaps it in the spiritual realm. And by the way, that's where you get your visions from the spiritual your ideas, your creativity, what God's called you to do. You're going to get it from the spiritual realm. And then in the material realm, he, he will meet your need. He'll meet your And listen, he, he shows, he'll show us how to administer or how to steward our resources. Why? So that, we can, so that our, our hands can, can serve his appointed purposes that come from our hearts. And what, what he wants us to do is to realize that, listen, he, he, he wants us to be blessed. He, he, he wants us to, to understand and, and to enjoy a good life. But he doesn't have a problem with that. That's part of what he just showed us in, in, in Luke 6.38. But what he wants us to see is there's more to it. There's a depth to it. And as I begin to give and I get his heart, then his heart, his spirit speaks to me at 45. He speaks to me. I'm hearing why. Because it's a giving, and we give, and we give, and we reach out to people, and we serve people, and we love people. We give, we give, we give. And, 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 and so what happened? He meets our needs. He, start, he meets all of our needs. What are we doing? We're getting to the place where he can entrust us with more. And let, let me tell you what he wants to entrust us with. He wants to entrust us with the ability to lead spiritual food to the generation behind us. So that regardless of what happens in the natural, God's still in control. Regardless of what takes place in our world, God's still in control. But I don't want my children and my grandchildren to be going into this new place that it's hard to settle in and hard to travel through because there's nothing to sustain you. No, I want it to be sustained. I want our house to be healthy. I want your children to be healthy. And I'm telling you, if you want the heart of God in your house, you want the heart of God in your marriage, you start by giving and you watch what he does. He will turn you inside out and everything about your life begins to change. But if you're stubborn and you're hard-headed, then it won't happen and you're going to miss out. I'm not saying you won't go to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you're going to miss out on being a a, a vision caster and sowing seeds that can be picked up and change lives while you're on this earth. Are you breathing? 
it's important that we have a balanced understanding of this so that we can be great people. It's like God's called us to be great people because we represent a great God. Big enough to wrap our arms around a world and love people all over the world, love people in our own neighborhood by giving. I want to close by praying for you. My heart is to see you operate the key to everything. Because I'm telling you, it's truth. It works. It's God's plan. And in a moment, someone, a a pastor will come, and if you need someone to pray for you, I, I don't know that I've ever had an altar invitation opened up for stubborn people. I don't know. How, how that'll go over. But we all have some of that. And I'm telling you, God is looking for people that will operate with the key and give, and he'll just continually bless you to give and to give and to give and to give. It'd be amazing. And the most important thing we can give to you right now has eternal reward to it. Come on, you know, if you're going to invest in something, you don't want something that's going to fizzle out in a year or two. You want something that's going to have a rate of return forever consistently. Well, that's exactly what this is. As we do what we do as a church, we're growing beyond what we could even think or dream we can do. And it's more and it's more and it's more. And the, the burden of the world, the burden of souls, the burden of lives, the burden, it gets heavier and heavier. And I think, God, if we just had your heart Father thank you so much for giving us our salvation thank you so much that we receive it by giving our lives back to you Lord I ask you to open our eyes of understanding to see that you are a giving God. And we can take on that image and that characteristic when we begin to give. So I pray and I ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts, to remove things that are in the way. We've tried other things. We've tried other ways. We've tried our way. God, let's try your way. Let's give our hearts to you so that you can grind down the tooth of the key to everything so that we can operate as you intended us to operate. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that we can be a giver just like you are. Amen.